welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined this week by my co-host, my friend, my brother, my boss, my pastor, Jonathan Haves. How, how many more ways can we describe our relationship? <laughs> I don't know, but I can keep trying. This is just... My the- teammate. <laughs> Oh, the wind beneath my wings. Um, this is a this is our first episode, just the two of us. Man, it is. And since you said the wind beneath my wings, can I share a story? There was one sure. time I was at a restaurant, and there was a karaoke, and one guy got up and did this super goofy song, and then a girl got up and said, I want to dedicate this song to my dad. And she sang wind, wind Beneath My Wings, and man, I was trying not to lose it. But talk about the energy getting sucked out of a room. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could feel it. So I have, I'm sorry, I had to, I had to insert that. I have a horribly, uh, personally, I have a horribly embarrassing story connected to the song "The Wind Beneath My Wings," but, but I'm not ready to share it yet. Okay, I'll get there well, eventually, but I'm not ready to go public with that. Just yet. All right. Well, it's, when you are, it's pretty. I got to work through it with know. my counselor a little bit. Um, well, we're always willing to hear it. Some shame, some shame is, is deeply attached to that. But yeah, no, we're missing JM this week. Yes, um, he, it's just the two of us. Yeah, yeah, he's off gallivanting, playing drums, his first true passion and love in life. Yep, he's at a youth camp in Georgia, so I'm sure he's drinking lots of Mountain Dew and staying up all night, staying up late. Who knows? All I, sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> But yeah, so he's uh, he's working with a worship band. Uh, a lot of guys from Shades are, are people that have been involved at Shades over the years playing in that worship band uh, with this youth camp. So yeah, just the two of us serving as a dynamic duo. Anything interesting going on in your life as of well, right now? Well, you know, I've been watching a little bit of the NBA playoffs. The NBA, What's the NBA? No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> See, yeah. I normally don't, but yeah. as we know, two weeks ago I went to Marion, Indiana, and I was in a hotel room with Cable. <laughs> And so there was nothing to watch. I couldn't go to Netflix. I couldn't go to Disney Plus, Hulu, <laughs> you know? So what do you do? You watch sports. And so I watched all the, the NBA basketball games. And man, the Hawks have made it. The Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks. Have made it to what? Where, where are they? to the Eastern Conference Finals. This won't end well. To play the Bucks. They play tonight. And no, it's not going to end well. Just, but they made it. they made it this far, which... You probably feel this way with the Braves sometimes. It's like, oh, they made it to the, it wouldn't be the conference finals, but right, right, whatever right, the equivalent right, is. Right, 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 right. Surely, China. surely they're going to, you know, it's just, it's, it's that close. We're almost there. Yeah, I mean, you, but there's a part of you that's just shocked that they made it this far right. and you're so happy. So, yeah, I've, I've been watching it a lot. Jordan has not been, but she'll sit right there next to me and read her books. So. We call that wisdom. You're setting yourself up for heartbreak. She, uh, for those who don't know, Atlanta sports is just littered with yes. tragedy. Yes, there is a divine curse. So, anyway, well, that about, was a that was a midweek sports break. Yeah, a little sports break. <laughs> sports break. Sports break. Jonathan, uh, what about yourself? Going on in my life. Well, so this last uh, Sunday was Father's Day. Um, yeah, I actually, I happy ca- Father's Day. I called my own father to wish him a happy Father's Day yesterday um <laughs> that's how i'm doing in life better better late than never for those who don't know we're recording this on a wednesday which means i was two days late to wish my own father a happy father's day how did he respond well i opened the con- he said hello and i started with i repent in dust and ashes <laughs> and he just started laughing so that's you know, good that's you good gotta got lead you gotta, named it you, you acknowledged it lean into it <laughs> right owned it S- steer the ship into the iceberg um but 
no, so so Father say it was great, it was fun, had a blast, and uh, achieved a dream that I've had now for a while. Uh, I have been longing and wanting a fishing kayak. Wow. And uh, I've been saving up, and Holly, for Father's Day, gave me the money that was needed to complete the saving, and we went and purchased my fishing kayak. Whoa. So Now, wait, wait, wait. What's the difference between a kayak and a fishing kayak? So, I mean, very similar, but uh, designed just for to optimize for different activities. Uh, most fishing kayaks are open sit-on-top kayaks, which you've seen before because you need to be able to move around all that stuff. The nicer ones are designed where you can actually stand up on them. Yep. Uh, mine's not that. Mine's just kind of like a beginner's fishing kayak. But like they're designed with like built-in rod holders and a place to put tackle and all, all that kind of thing. So it's just a little bit more optional. You could do other things in it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why not get a bass fishing boat? Why not? Well, Brad, it's... it's if a, your family really loved you, then they would have given you that for <laughs> Father's Day. The price tag is slightly different. <laughs> slightly different. Um, but, I mean, if you want to, to purchase that bass boat for me, I won't say no. All right. I'll pray about that. Um, but in all honesty, too, you can fish in places with a kayak that you can't uh, with a bass boat. It's so like you can do creek fishing and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, you can't, yeah. You can't put a bass boat in a creek. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> So poorly. I'm sure everyone's really excited to hear about. Well, is this the first time you've uh, shared with our listeners that you're getting into fishing or have you done that before? I can't remember. Well, so now fishing and I have a history. So this is not really, this is a renewal of an old love. Okay. Um, I I purchased my first boat when I was 17 years old. I was a weird kid. Wow. Um, And that one was actually like an outboard motor. It wasn't like a nice, crazy, nice bass boat, but. It was a big purchase for a 17-year-old. Are you saying you couldn't afford a $50,000 bass boat? No, I think I paid $2,500 for it, like <laughs> saved up for a whole summer or something. That's awesome. Um, but I sold that boat to buy a ring. Ah. And that's how I knew it was love. Yes. And uh, I'll tell all of that. One day when and we now do- now marriage do, has rewarded you. And <laughs> One day when we do uh, a meet a member episode for me, I'll, I'll tell that whole story. Um but yeah, so I loved fishing growing up in high school, really got into bass fishing. And uh, now I have children that are old enough to do likewise and get reinterested. And I kind of, when we moved to Birmingham is when I quit doing it so much, just because you, you got to actually go outside the city to get to anything decent for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and I had little bitty kids and I was in seminary. And so so I'm just, I'm, I'm easing into a new phase of life where like uh, opportunities are representing themselves. Yeah. So yeah, now this isn't fly fishing, right? No, I, now I love fly fishing. I haven't gotten to go much in my life. Man, anytime that I hear that someone's super into fly fishing, I'm like, oh, I like that guy. Well, Alabama is or not lady. really the place to live for fly fishing. <laughs> um, I mean, you can, oh. you definitely can. So you gotta but go to Colorado or something. I like to do the really, really fun, really mm. legit like trout fishing. Yeah, yeah you gotta go other it places. sounds cool. But but bass fishing, we're in the heart of bass fishing country. So okay. It's good stuff. All right, we really should move on. <laughs> now that we have lost everyone between Atlanta Hawks, uh, basketball, and yeah. fishing, and bass gear, fishing, fishing. This is what happens when John Mark's not here. Yeah, John Mark moves us along. He's he really the glue that holds this group together. I'm just gonna blame him. He's like the bass player in a band. Well, anyway, what we need to do right now is take a trip down to the email corridor. The email corridor. I love how you echoed me right there, just like JM does. Like, like he always, somebody echoes somebody. It's great. Yeah, it's the email corridor. Email corridor. <laughs> All 
All right, Jonathan, what do we have this week? Well, um, we can't even get the door open on the corridor because it's so slam full of emails, Brad. It's true. Um, We're not even going to name how many emails we've got. Oh, my goodness. We've been inundated. Inundated is it, the appropriate it, word. It, it's it's a little nuts. So here's, here's what we're going to do. And, and here's the problem. JM is the one who, like, built out and designed the email corridor. That's true. He is, he is the, the king of the corridor, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the captain of the corridor. I don't know which alliteration I like more. Yeah. Anyway. So we're going to wait for him to really properly sort through these, the, just this onslaught of emails that we have received. Mm-hmm. But we want to give you a preview. And in order to give you a preview, I am simply going to read the most recent email uh, as of at least, no, we've gotten another email since uh, since we started recording. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, but I'm going to read the one before that, the most the most recent one. Okay. So this came to us through the uh, Shades website. Uh, it's from one William Arthur Ashley, who Arthur. I might say I, I I was about to read his email address because it's really funny to me. But I was like, maybe I shouldn't freely give out his contact. Yeah, that's, prob- that's probably a no no. The subject line is help. Sounds serious. So here's the email, and this I'm reading this to just prove the case of. The fact that we've been flooded with emails. He says, Dear Sirs, a strange situation has arisen in my home. Since listening to the midweek podcast more regularly, two of my acquaintances have developed an illness, and each believing the other to be forcibly coercing him slash her into writing emails to you, they have done just that. Since you seem to be the responsible party, please advise or relieve me of my quandary. In an earnest plea for help, William Arthur Ashley. <laughs> wow. So formal. Yeah. So I it, feel like we've gone back in time. So it seems that William has two acquaintances that uh, can't quit emailing us, which we can testify to. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. And so we're receiving the blame for this, apparently. Wow. But, if but you, whatever's going on sounds very serious. <laughs> If you I'm want very the, concerned. If you want the details, family. if you want the details on what this has looked like, you're just gonna have to tune in next time. That's that's a little teaser for that's you. That's the teaser, yeah, of what we'll really get into. That's right. Got to keep the people coming back. Yeah. Next time we will uh, have an extended stay, I believe, in the email corridor. Yeah, it may have to be a whole episode. <laughs> All right, but but we have to move on. Yes, we do. And even so much though, to do. Even though JM isn't here. I, I still think we need a JM's album of the week. So yes, we do. Let me see. Hang on. Let me see if I can. Nope, that's not the right one. Nope. Oh wait, that was the right one. What? Wait. I nope. 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 There we go. Sorry about that. I love that you, in trying to do it accidentally, accidentally hit JM's album of the week the second time. <laughs> But you you committed to it, and that's what I appreciate. I don't know what these buttons do. <laughs> I think they're color coded, but I don't know the code. Anyway, well, Jonathan is filling in in the producer seat, which yes. is a very important seat. Yes, so he's doing he's it quite playing multiple roles today. Yes, yeah, so I am going to introduce myself as a guest host for JM's album of the week. I invited myself to do it since JM is at youth camp, and. The album that I have this week is an album by Zach Williams. Now, Jonathan, have you heard of Zach Williams before? I have not. I, I 
Yeah, I feel like I can say that pretty confidently. Zach Williams, not ringing a bell. So apparently there's more than one Zach Williams because there's a Zach (laughs) Williams who is a country slash Christian music artist. That's that's true. That's surely who you're recommending, knowing you and your musical taste. I guess it's somewhat popular, but there were a few times that I would be reading blogs and I realized, dang it, this is the wrong Zach Williams. (laughs) But the Zach Williams that I'm talking about has an album called Storytime. And it was released in 2009. 2009. Some of our listeners probably weren't even born then. So this is a little bit of a throwback. And Zach Williams, the album kind of has singer-songwriter vibes to it. He's kind of hard to say he's like someone, but think kind of Ryan Adams meets Damien Rice meets, I don't know, (laughs) meets folk a little bit. Sure. But you might be familiar familiar with him. He was in a little band called The Lone Bellow. Have you ever heard of oh, The Lone yeah, Bellow? Yeah, I know The Lone Bellow. Yes. So this is pre-Lone Bellow. And I actually first heard Zach Williams at a large Christian conference in 2009. I guess it would have been right after this album was released. And he came up just with an acoustic guitar and did a performance of one of the songs on this track that I'm going to play. And then he also sang Come Thou Fount. And I remember in the moment thinking, whoa, what just (laughs) happened? You can look on YouTube for some of his performances, make sure it's the right Zach Williams. But very intense, and I really loved it. And so I also have another connection to him. I interned for a youth minister in St. Louis who, I come to find out, roomed with him at Liberty University when they were in college together. So yeah, small world. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to play just a little selection from the album so you can get a taste of it and get a taste of some of the vocal insanity and some of the intensity that I am talking about. So let's see if this works. Hopefully it does. What's happening? Three was envy and four was rage. Five and six Period. was lust and lies. Is the whole album It's nice. Their knuckles white, their faces red, and all so that kind of gives you yeah, I can taste of. Zach Williams, and I really like a lot of the songs. I think he's a great songwriter, and um, well, there's a there's a whole backstory, but I don't think we have time to get into it. But check it out, Zach Williams, Storytime, 2009. He also has a version of Come Now Fount that I think is worth listening to. Sweet, super intense. Sweet. No, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Definitely yeah, so that's the album of the week. It's, it's oh. fun to be able to press the, that right, button. Right, right, right. So now we should probably do uh, Bradford's Book Club. I think that's right. Wait, my bad. There it is. Hello, and welcome to... (laughs) Sorry, my bad. 
Okay, I'll stop. The producer has so much power. Yes, I really do. It's like, you know. Uh, anyway, go ahead. So this week for Bradford's Book Club, I am going to be recommending a book, and I actually know the author. So the book that I'm recommending for this week is a book titled Faith Without Illusions, Following Jesus as a Cynic Saint by Andrew Byers. Now, Andy Byers. Andy Byers. Jonathan, do you know Andy? Define no. No. You um, know who Andy is? I do. I do know who Andy yeah. is. And uh, Andy did a, a talk one time about faith and technology. Like It's kind of like a breakout session at Beeson while I was a student there. Okay, and yeah. I got to hear him there. Um, but he, he was working here in town at the time. Yep. So I knew Andy. He was involved in a parachurch ministry that did summer camps, winter conferences that I went to. And so... I would hear him speak at breakout sessions, and I can remember as a middle schooler in high school thinking, this guy's kind of boring. I don't really like (laughs) this guy. But as I aged and matured, I came to appreciate what he was saying, and I actually, when I was looking at seminaries, called him because he was at Beeson in Birmingham, and my conversation with him really encouraged me to choose Beeson. And so in some ways, I'm on this podcast because of Andy Byers. Uh, you're at Shades because of Andy Byers. You married Jordan because of Andy <laughs> Byers. <laughs> it's true. I need to write him an email. <laughs> Thank you for my life. That, should, read, that should just be the subject line. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy's a really thoughtful guy. He was a, he's a Beeson grad here in Birmingham, was a, a college pastor in Birmingham, in Birmingham for a while. Now he's in England. And this is a little bit from the back cover Call it burnout, call it enlightenment, call it whatever you like. It's plaguing the contemporary church. Andrew Byers calls it cynicism, the state we all too easily arrive at after passing through disillusionment. Too many saints in the making are having their wings clipped in this painful process. But wait, there's hope. Disillusionment is, at its heart, the dispersal of illusions, pointing us towards what's really real, a great cloud of hopeful realists who have gone before us and welcome us into their number. There is a way beyond cynicism, and if we follow Jesus through it, we'll find faith and life at their fullest. It's got a little plug on the back from Timothy George, the founding dean of Beeson. An important and timely book of hopeful realism. Even more timely now. That's what I was thinking Like as you were reading it. I was like, that's only gotten more relevant. Yes. Um, I, I was I felt very affirmed by his phrase there, hopeful realists. Yes. Uh, because on, on Sunday I talked about we should be the realist realists. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've stolen that language and I use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. But I think for any of you out there that might deal with cynicism. Um, Which I would, is pro- probably nobody. Probably nobody. Nah. Definitely not me. That's <laughs> <laughs> what. Why this book sits on the front of my desk every day. Uh, but I think Andy is a, a helpful guide to uh, thinking through your cynicism and then give, giving a, a biblical picture of how our disillusionment can be um, redeemed and used for the sake of the church. And he goes to the prophets and ultimately ends talking about, don't be a cynic, be a hopeful realist. So that's been a helpful guide to me. So I'd recommend it. Faith Without Illusions. Andrew Byers, thank you, Andy, for all that you've done for me. 
I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that again. But that would have been great if you did. <laughs> all right. Have we have we done yeah, all we, the th- we've done all the things? Have we done all the things? All the things that everybody normally skips so they can get to the actual episode. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, Jonathan, what are we going to talk about today with with John Mark gone? I feel a little lost. Well, you know, I uh, I think that this is going to be our second ever episode of Pastor Facts. Wow. You weren't here for the first one because we did it when it was just me and JM. So I'm just busting this out anytime y'all are gone. <laughs> one of our, y'all's gone. It's our go-to. <laughs> so but, those, uh, It sounds lovely. Yeah, it needs a jingle. JM, you hearing this? It needs a jingle. Yeah, for sure. No. Nah. Um, yeah, but seriously, it doesn't need a jingle. <laughs> He's going to write so many. We're going to add it to his job title. Worship and Community Pastor and jingle writer um, i'm all about it <laughs> but anyway for those of you who didn't hear the last episode uh by facts we just mean faqs frequently asked questions as pastors there are questions that we get commonly asked over and over and over again and so That's in order true. to never have to answer them again i thought i'd do it once on the podcast and then just point people to it so i can quit pastoring uh, <laughs> some common questions why are you here why are you the way that you are when are you going to retire <laughs> I'm uh, you know, I'm not being cynical at all right here. <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. But uh, but no. Uh, but but seriously, just like I, I did think it'd be helpful. Just these are common questions that people have, so just to be able to walk through them. And I am happy. Any of us are happy as always to continue having these conversations and to sit down and talk through these things over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Was being, I was joking. So last time we talked about one that was really, really practical. Uh, like, how do I pick a Bible when I'm shopping for a Bible? Yeah. You get asked that all the time, difference in Bible versions, stuff like that. Very helpful. So this time, we're. it's not that this isn't practical. It definitely is. But uh, mm-hmm. on the front end, we're, it's a little bit more theological. It's a, it's a theological question. Mm-hmm. What is Super that question? Super common. Uh, it comes in different forms. But at the end of the day, it's some form of how do I know God's will for my life? Mm. Um, yes, you, you get it a lot from people who are in the midst of uh, decision points or points of transition yep. in their life, life. Transition, yeah. So you know, from college students, uh, you'll get this question a lot when it's centered around like a job, career. How do I know what job to take? What city to move to? Stay, yep. go. People who are uh, in a serious relationship, they'll ask it about marriage. How do I know if this person's the person I'm supposed to marry? Uh, all of that yeah. kind of thing. So you, so you get it surrounding a whole host of life events. And of, often beneath it, there's this unspoken statement of, I want to follow God's will. I want to be in God's will. I want to make sure that the decision that I'm making is the decision that God wants me to make. Yeah. No, it comes from a, from a, from a good desire. Mm-hmm. I mean, the desire is, I want to obey Jesus. I want to yep. love Jesus. Uh, I want. I to, don't want to screw up my life. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I don't want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and get struck by lightning. Um, you know, or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, totally. So yeah, and it really, honestly, the way that I kind of try to help people think through this and walk through this, it really doesn't matter that much at the end of the day what specific question you're asking. Yeah. Uh, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about what college to go to or yeah. when to retire. Or yeah, I was going to say, it's not just college students. Yeah, it's not just young people that ask this question. It can be somebody in the middle of their career Yeah, that's like, should I quit my job? Yeah, should I quit? Should we buy this house? Should we go on the mission field? You know, yeah. should we continue to rent? Should we, what? How many kids should I have? Yeah. Should I sell my kids? No. <laughs> just kidding about that last Leave part. it to Brad to like, just take it <laughs> awkward left I'm turn. Oh, I'm just messing. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, though if you are interested, I don't sell them, but I, I'll loan them, Brad. <laughs> um, All right. 
I'll look into that. Oh, but yeah, but at the end of the yeah. day, like the way you walk through it is is pretty similar. Um, and so, so yeah, so I just thought we'd kind of you know talk through that. Yeah, I so think it's really good. Starting out, uh, I thought we'd list kind of the normal ways. Um, at least I'm, I'm speaking out of my own realm of experience. So the normal ways that like people that I grew up around or that I grew up absorbing, thinking this is how you determine God's will for your life. This is how you make decisions and, and follow the Lord and all of that. And uh, so the usual ways that people go about this that I think actually are unhelpful um, are things like... Uh, a sign, like I need some kind of sign from God of what I'm supposed to do. Yes, and just to be clear, I have never done this. Right, absolutely. So, like you know, um, well, for the last, and usually this this amounts to some type of coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, so for like the last three days, I've automatically looked up at the clock at four fifteen, and you know that clearly means that I'm supposed to look at you know uh, number four fifteen page 415 in my Bible, and that's going to lead me to this word, which will help me make the decision based on, you know, for whatever the next thing in my life is or whatever. Yes. Um, It it can be something like that. It can be uh, some, just anything. You're looking for something that feels like a miraculous signal from the heavens. Yeah. A burning bush, if you will. Yeah. And why do you think we want that so bad? Well, I think that there's a misconception that this is the normal way God communicated with people uh, in in what we read about in the Bible. Because mm. we do read about situations like Moses in the burning bush or, right. you know, uh, the call of uh, Samuel, the boy prophet. Or, you know, we read about these things and we get in our heads that this is the rule, not the yep. exception to this the This is the norm. Yeah. Kind of day in, day out Christianity. Right, right, right. Where, wherein, if we'll actually be honest with the biblical narrative, those things are very much the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Moses only got one burning bush. Um, <laughs> he didn't carry it around, wasn't planted in his backyard. Right. Um, and, and people may point out and be like, yeah, but there were a lot more miraculous things that happened in the life of Moses. And I'll be like, yeah, but there was enough time and space between a lot of those things that the people of Israel forgot yeah, and doubted God. Yeah, the wilderness. I, like when we, I mean, a lot of Christians can recount to you some kind of uh, close encounter with the Lord. It sounds like I'm talking about an alien uh, abduction, close encounters. Um, they, they can recount to you some kind of intense spiritual experience that they've had, you know, whether in worship or whether, you know, conviction or, or, or whatever, or a time when they feel like the Lord spoke to them clearly. Yep. Um, most Christians can recount something like that, but often those things are so spaced out in our lives that we begin to doubt them. Right. Did I, re- did I really? Right. Was I up in was my head, in head about that? Was I whatever? Yep. We're experiencing the same thing we read mm-hmm. in the pages of Scripture, you know, with the, the people of Israel wandering through the wilderness, doubting the experiences that they had, the miraculous experiences they had, whether right. or not the Lord was with them and for them. Yeah, totally. And, and it's because that wasn't just their their norm. Um, mm-hmm. Samuel the boy prophet, uh, one of my favorite uh, places to go to talk about this is to the calling of Samuel. Uh, because the passage that starts off, if you're not familiar with the story, Samuel uh, basically lives in and works uh, for Eli, the, the high priest, he lives in the tabernacle. Uh, um, well, not, he lives working with Eli at the tabernacle. And uh, 
And when he's a young boy, he hears the voice of God literally call him Samuel, Samuel, and the Lord speaks to him. But what I love about that story is if you read at the very beginning, it says, now the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there were not frequent visions. And it's so rare in those days that when the Lord calls to Samuel, he mistakes it for the voice of Eli. And Eli, it takes Eli three times of this happening before it even occurs to him to think that this could be the Lord. Like the high priest does not assume the Lord is speaking. Like he assumes like you're having a dream or something like that, you know? So this is more what we encounter, uh, in scripture, like these kind of special revelations, if you will, of the, of the Lord's will tend to be the exception to the rule, not the rule Mm. on top of that, two more things really quickly. One, um, these things tend to happen as interruptions, not when people are seeking them. So we go looking for these signs, whereas burning bush, interruption. God calling Samuel, interruption. God converting the apostle Paul, interruption. Like All of these things hmm. are interruptions into their, their lives. Um, they're not like sweating out. Now, people might very quickly, the, the classic example to go to is Gideon. Well, what about Gideon? Gideon, you know, when he's trying to make this decision about whether or not he should follow the Lord, he, he sets out the fleece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ask the Lord for this sign as to whether or not this is what he's supposed to do. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not how that story begins. The story begins with God interrupting and calling him to do something. The fleece situation is about confirmation. Mm. It's not about Gideon seeking a sign in order to determine God's will for his life. God has clearly told him what his will for his life is. And Gideon needs some some reassurance, if you will. But again, not the norm. Right. Have you ever laid out a fleece, Jonathan? I, I have not. Um, I, I have definitely asked for signs. I have definitely flipped open a Bible and pointed to a random verse. Uh, I think that's yep. a common procedure. Yep. Um, but uh, but I have not I have not laid out a fleece. Yeah. I um, even asked for signs when I was trying to choose a seminary. No joke. Could you imagine? It was not that long ago. Could you imagine? This is not high school Brad here. I just want to drive by your house and you've got like a fleece jacket laid out in your front yard. I'm like, I know what's going on there. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, but the, the second thing I was going to say uh, is that even when we talk about the miraculous in the scriptures, um, when we talk about a lot of miraculous things happen happening, they're really uh, crowded around the ministries of very specific people and not many. Mm. So the ministry of Moses has a concentration the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, which are almost combined, one flows right into the other. Uh-huh. That has a lot of concentration. The ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early apostles. That's it. Um, like you'll other miracles throughout scripture other than that tend to be like isolated incidents. But for large continuous concentrations, those are that. So I say all mm, of that yeah. just to say that the whole thing of like a sign doesn't doesn't seem to be God's normal modus operandi of how he regularly communicates with people. Doesn't mean he can't. Mm-hmm. He absolutely can. But I contend that even when he does that, it is typically not because that's what we're looking for. It is typically him interrupting to change the direction we're heading. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, one other thing that I'll mention um, that I think is a very common way that people 
try to go about discerning uh, the Lord's will in their life is they'll talk about a peace. Like, well, God hasn't given me a peace about that, or God has given me a peace about that. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to deny whether or not the Spirit can or does give us a peace, but is that the normal, regular way that he communicates with us? Is the fact that you don't have a peace about the decision you've got to make, is that that the Lord hasn't given you a peace, or is that that you're nervous? Right. Like in your flesh, you know? Um, And how constant is that peace? If you begin to doubt right. or have different feelings, that peace goes away. Does that mean that peace was just for a moment, so you need to trust back to that peace? Right. It's very dependent upon subjective feelings. Right, very much so. And so, again, I just it, it, it becomes a really difficult thing to trust, and it becomes something that I think you end up doubting if things don't go the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I must not have discerned the will of the Lord rightly. That must have been me. I was the one making myself feel like I had a peace. And honestly... This is something that can, I'm not saying people do this all the time. I'm just saying it can very easily be a kind of Christian-y way of justifying what you want to do or denying what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really want to do this, so I've got a piece about it. I really the Lord is just giving me a piece that yeah. I need to break up with you. So when God called <laughs> Jonah to go to Nineveh, I wonder if he had a piece. Mm-hmm. Um he did not, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. when God told Peter, I'm taking you to Cornelius's house, the Gentile to share the gospel. I yeah. wonder if he had a peace. Yeah. Um, well, and to me, that's so reassuring because so many decisions in my life, I feel chaotic and frantic and unsure. And right. so to know that I don't need to have this perfect peace to be walking in the will of the Lord, that's actually very comforting right. for me because right. my feelings are all over the place. Yeah. And again... I do think that the Lord gives us a supernatural peace, a peace that passes all understanding. But I'm going to say I think the normal way he gives it to us, again, is like what I said with the signs. It's not something that we're seeking. It's something he literally just gives, and he gives it in the moment, and he gives it when we need it. Mm. Jesus even speaks this way to his disciples when he's telling them, hey, you're going to face persecution after I'm gone, and you're going to be dragged in front of kings and governors and all this. He says, but don't be afraid you'll be given what you need to say in that moment. In other words, in that moment, you will be empowered. In that moment, you will experience peace. You may be nervous as all heck to, like, go share the gospel before that. Um, Like he said, we're going to face persecution. That gets me. I don't have a peace about that. But he's going to provide what you need in the moment when you're there. Yeah. You may not have a peace about getting married. But maybe God's going to provide you exactly what you need along the way. Mm-hmm. All of those different things. Yeah. So, just I'm, to share a personal example of this, recently my wife was deciding whether or not she was going to quit her job. She has, but we were trying to make that decision. So, dropping one, that news on the midweek. That's right. You heard it here first. I think my wife is okay. With this I was about to say, is she? I don't see why not. I mean, it's happened. So, Jordan's she, oh, quit. She, shared, she shared about it on social media. So, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're yeah. good. We're in good. The, in the clear. Isn't it fun how that's the standard of whether or not something's allowed to be talked about? If they've personally shared it totally. on social media, we can totally. talk about it. So, we were in a service and and we were seeking the Lord's will, praying, God, would you give us direction, guidance? And so, I just felt like. We should go up and be prayed over by the stall cups. And so we did. And so we went up and Park said, well, what do you want me to uh, pray about for you guys? And I just said, Park, you know what? I just want you to pray for us. 
I'm not really going to tell you. I just want you to start praying. And she goes, okay. She goes, Lord, I feel like I just need to pray about Jordan's job. (laughs) Okay, so talk about sign, right? Whoa. But then I think what's really interesting is what she prayed next. And essentially what she prayed next is just that she felt like the Lord was telling her to, to let us know that he sees us and that he's gone before us. And that was the essence of the prayer. And so I was like, okay, Park, anything else about like which direction maybe he wants us to go or anything else going into your mind, a hospital or a house? She's thinking about doing a real estate position. There was none of that, but it was this reassurance that the Lord sees you and that he has plans and purposes for you. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you decide, whether you decide to keep your job or whether you decide to, to quit your job, He's going to accomplish his will. And so that was what we needed. And that was how the Lord gave us a peace, if you will, that didn't mean a a particular decision. Right, right. And I I do, with all of these things, there's so many times you need to like caveat and explain. I mean, I I do want to say like if you're facing down a decision, like I mentioned marriage earlier and you don't have a piece about it. Yeah. That is enough of a reason to explore that. Yeah. Like like you should, I'm not saying ignore that. Just do it. Um, ah, don't worry about right, it. Right. Just shove that down deep. Suppress it. Um, no, no. You should. I ex- really don't like him, though. <laughs> nah, it'll be fine. No, you should explore that for sure. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is, I don't think that we can just de facto say the way my stomach feels determines what the Lord is saying to me. Yeah, I think that's good. I think yeah. that's a really helpful you clarification. Know, and, and and But it is enough of a reason to go, okay, well, why do I feel that way? I should explore this and explore it through some of the paths I'm going to mention here in just a minute yeah. when we talk about how do we, we seek the will right. of the Lord. Well, and I don't want to jump ahead, so you can stop me if what I'm about to say is going to get to a place that we're going eventually. But I think, and tell me if you agree with this, that for both of these, sign-seeking and peace-seeking, if you will, that beneath that, there's this theology that says, if I'm going to follow God's will for my life, if I'm going to follow this plan that God has for my life, then I need to figure out what that is beforehand. Yes. You and have- this is crucial to me following God's will. You are perfectly segueing. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to where wow. we're headed next. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it feels good when you get a win. Yeah. So uh, we're the, the problem with all of these approaches we've talked about is that they make certain assumptions. Two, two really big ones. One we've kind of already talked about a lot. Uh, they make assumptions about how God commonly communicates his will. You know, it must yep. be through signs. It must be through, like, it's just assuming that. It, it, yep. We haven't gotten that from scripture. We have, as we've talked about, ad nauseum so right. far. Um, so that assumption. But the second assumption is what you just mentioned. It makes assumptions about God's will and what God's will is and 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 what it, it's and how we relate to it. So it makes the assumption that from my perspective, God's will is like a tightrope. Okay? He has mm-hmm. laid out this exact plan and path that I'm supposed to follow, and I cannot take a step off one foot to the right or one foot to the left, or I have totally screwed up my life as he has planned it out. Yeah. And then from from God's perspective, uh, we the assumption we're making is that he's playing hide-and-seek with that will, with that tightrope. 
Like that tightrope's invisible, and we got to kind of figure out where the next step is before we take it. Yeah. Um, it, God's like, I have a will. I've got a plan for your life and you better get it right. right, but you can't see it. Ha ha. I've got it hidden. And then maybe I'll go, if you pray right or whatever, I'll go, whoo, take a little look. This is your next step. Or boom, take a little right. look. This if you read step. the right verse, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Another illustration that I'm stealing from a book is the author talks about a choose your own adventure book. Do you remember these books? Do I remember these books? Those books were awesome. I hated them. <laughs> oh, maybe this says something about us. I hated them because I could never get to the end. <laughs> like they would be like, you know, a video game, choose your own adventure. And you'd choose at the end of the chapter, you'd turn to the page and be like, you died. <laughs> right. Like I just did that over and over again. I never, never got to the end of these books. I know. Totally. Well, and I think that's how we can think about God's will for our life is that we come to this point and we get to choose. Do we go up to the mountain or do we go through the cave? And if we choose left through up into the top of the mountain, we get a happy ending. There's joy, fulfillment, but if you were that kid that chose to go through the cave, then you're eaten by a wild gargoyle or something, <laughs> right? But I think we can see God's will for our lives like that. Like we, There's this fork in the road, and one decision leads to this fulfilling life, this life filled with joy, this life where God does all these incredible things through us. And then there's this other path in which that doesn't happen. The, and so, of the course, other path, you're stuck behind an insurance desk working <laughs> nine to five. Yes. And God's sitting up there. If you only would have listened. Right. You know, right. No offense to insurance workers. Seriously. We think that your vocation is, is God given. Um, and that's our point. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. So, so we make these. So, of course, we're looking for a sign. Right. 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 Of course, we're looking for something to give I, us clarity because we don't want that to happen. Yeah. To yeah. And I, I got to have that information to make the decision. Yeah. So. So the question becomes, if those are our assumptions, the question becomes, how does scripture actually talk about the will of God? Mm -hmm. And then how does God actually communicate his will to us? So first one of those, how does scripture actually talk about the will of God? Well, in different ways. Um, this surprise, is, right? Surprise. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> one, one of the bumper sticker theology is always bad. Um, God gave you a book and not a bumper sticker for a reason. <laughs> like that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, we are guilty all the time of taking things that are complex and flattening them. So we pretend like scripture talks about God's will in just one singular way or God's love in one singular way. And yeah, and it doesn't. It talks about it in a multitude of ways. I talk about my own love in a multitude of ways. I love my wife and I love tacos. And those two sentences do not mean the same thing. Um, or do they? <laughs> and since <laughs> I yes. since I can have a complicated uh, way of expressing love, like I mean, how much more so God? Right. You know. So Scripture talks about the will of God in multiple ways, and throughout the years, theologians have come up with different labels. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of any of them, but we got to use something That's right. uh, to talk about it. So, so they'll talk about the, the two easiest that are for me. I, I, I think that are the easiest for me are uh, the declared will of God and the decreed will of God, mm. the declared will of God and the decreed will of God. So the declared will of God is that which he reveals to be his will. He declares it. He says it, he speaks it. So the whole of scripture it's a good place to go. Yeah, that's the declare. That's what he has revealed. It's what he said. It's what he's spoken. So if we think about something like, uh, uh, "Don't lie," 
Don't bear false witness. That's the revealed will of God for you and for me and for every person on the planet. Or as, as Christians, if we think about the Great Commission, go and make disciples. This, this is the declared, revealed will of God. Or, um, oh, I forget where it is. I think it's in First or Second Thessalonians. I'm going to be wrong. I don't remember. But it says, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. First Thessalonians. There you go. Thank four? you, Brad. I, I don't know. I didn't know if it was first or second. Don't ask me. <laughs> I think our listeners can fact check. Oh, but yeah, I, I mean, like it doesn't get more blatant than that. But again, we're talking about yeah. the revealed will of God. And so when we look at that and we ask a question like, do things happen outside of God's will? Well, we can say, yeah. And he's yeah. revealed that people shouldn't bear false witness. That kind of happens right. a lot. Yeah. Our sanctification, their taste, we're not growing in sanctification. Um, kind of happens a lot. So so this is a way we can talk about God's will. Mm-hmm. But there's another way Scripture talks about God's will, and that's his decreed will. The decreed will of God is that which comes to pass. Um, it's the, the whole of history from before the foundation of the earth to eternity out there forever. It's a statement about God's sovereignty. Yes, it's a statement about yeah about His sovereignty. It's so we get statements in the Bible, uh, like every one of my days was written in your book before yet one of them was. Uh, mm. We get statements like Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Um, God uh, in, in Isaiah he makes a statement. I'm not going to quote it exactly, but uh, I am the Lord and there is no other, declaring the end from the beginning. Uh, saying, my will will stand, my purpose will be accomplished. Mm. Job says, nothing can thwart the will of God. Uh, the Proverbs say that the lot is cast and its every decision is from the Lord. The, uh, the heart of kings is like water in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it whichever way that he wills. Mm. So this is mm. the decreed will of God. And in this sense, when we ask, is, is God's will not being effective? Is it not, are, are there things happening against God's will? We're like, well, no. Yeah, uh, his will is perfectly unfolding from his redemption history. It's it's nothing's going to thwart it. Yeah, it's it's unfolding as it is supposed to unfold. And he uses evil to accomplish his purposes. Yeah, he yeah. uses human now, fault. Now, and, and that's a whole nother right. conversation in of itself. And that's a frequent question. So I'm sure that'll be a oh yeah future episode of Pastor God's Facts. sovereignty and human responsibility. What's so complicated about that, Jonathan? Yeah. Or, or even just evil. evil. Evil and sovereignty. How is evil a thing? Yeah, yeah. How does how is how can we say that all of history unfolds uh, according to God's decreed will, and yet He's not responsible for all of the morally reprehensible evil that we see? Which mm-hmm. I would say He's not. Right. Uh, God does not do evil. How's that mm-hmm. work? That's yeah. a future episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stay tuned, listeners. Everybody's like, "Dang it! Now I want that episode, yeah. not this one." I know. I know. Oh, but anyway, um. So, so yeah, so Scripture talks about God's will in more than one way. Yeah. And so when we start talking about the will of God, we gotta, we got to ask, like, what are we talking about? So, so if we just look at those two ways, um, uh, the declared will of God and the decreed will of God. Uh, well, the declared will of God, we have that. We, we have been – that's, that's why it's declared. Um, <laughs> we have been given that. We have it in God's word. The decreed will of God, we do not have. Uh, and and that's what we want. Yes, it is. That's what we want. So because we want control. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, for instance, the question: 
who am I supposed to marry? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I believe the fact that I was going to marry Holly is in the decreed will of God from before the foundation of the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's not the revealed will of God. There's no verse for me to turn to that says, thou shalt marry Holly. There, nothing like that. There is revealed stuff in his will about the kind of woman I'm supposed to look for mm-hmm. to marry, the kind of man I'm supposed to be, all that. But there's not uh, a revelation of this kind of specificity. Nor am I ever commanded that I need to investigate and find out the decreed will of God before I make a decision. Mm. That's that's never commanded in Scripture. Yeah. That's never expected of us. Um, it's never promised to us. Mm. Can God do that? Sure. Mm-hmm. If he wants to. But again, I'm going to contend. Even in scripture, I think that's really rare. Right. Um, you know, so, so, and I think that that's the problem is does God have a plan for your life, Brad, an exact plan? Well, yeah, sure. And yeah. it's none of your business. <laughs> but I want to know. <laughs> right. The revealed things belong to us and to our children. The secret things belong to the Lord, mm. says Deuteronomy. Yeah. You so know, I don't need to know. I don't have to know. You don't. And, and I mean, part of this is for the purpose of having a real dynamic relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. learning to live in trust and dependence and to walk by faith and not by sight. Yep. Um, so, so the question becomes, now that we have a better kind of grasp of how it is that Scripture actually talks about the will of God, well, the question becomes, so what do we do when we're faced with making this? Do we just do nothing? Well, God hasn't revealed to us what his decreed will is, so right. I'll just kind of, I don't know, not do anything. Yeah, he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah, but, so we kind of become a fatalist. I know I'm not breaking the rules of the Bible or whatever. Right, right. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who I'm trying to imitate. <laughs> uh, there's not a real person in mind, but... Oh, so what do we do? What has Scripture shown us? We should do... If the pattern in Scripture isn't people seeking out signs, then, mm-hmm. then what is it? Um, I've got four things for you, and and they are in a loose order. Not really. Kind of. Um, <laughs> so number one, we do start with the revealed will of God. We do start with the Bible. So, so for example, example, someone comes and says, Jonathan, I'm thinking about marrying someone. I'm not sure if uh, God wants me to do this. Right. We start with, well, what does the Bible have to say about marriage? What, why do you want to get married? Why do you want to get married to this person? Are these biblical reasons? I want all my problems to be solved. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Um, wh- wh- uh, yeah. what, what kind of uh, person is is this that you're planning to marry? Well, uh, they're not a believer. Bible's got some very specific things to say uh, mm-hmm. about that and about the kind of person you should seek out, the kind of uh, woman or man that you should be seeking to marry and the kind of woman or man that you should be as a future spouse. Um, and so let's talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible has some things to say about wisdom mm-hmm. um, and making wise choices. So they want to live in another country and have eight kids. I don't want to have any kids. And my dream is to be at a desk job in Atlanta, Georgia for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute um, and, and whether this is wise and, and lining up, you know, right here kind of thing. Um yeah, so there's all of those things that, that the Word has some very clear guidance and things wisdom, to say yeah. to us, wisdom, things to offer us. So we start with the Word. Like, for instance, vocation. 
there are certain vocations that are just flat out of bounds uh, because of the word of God. Um, or there are at least certain ways of practicing a vocation that's mm-hmm. just flat out of bounds. Um, it, you can be a businessman, but you need to be a businessman who has good business practices according to Scripture, righteous, holy. Ones you, you can't. You can't advance yourself through the business world through the cheating and the backbuying and the lying and the defamation and all of these things that are very common in climbing a corporate ladder. Yep. So taking advantage of the poor. Yeah. 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 So so scripture has a lot to say. And it's like, have you started with that? Right. You know, start start there. Uh secondly, prayer. Are you in prayer about it? It it, it has it blows my mind. Uh, how often people will talk to me with the, the uh, uh, I have a peace conversation or I don't have a peace. And I'll ask, are you praying about it? Like, did you get that peace through prayer? And if the answer is no, I'm like, where's that peace coming from? If mm-hmm. not through communication with your father. And if you don't have a peace and you're like, well, no, I'm not praying about it. I'm like, well, what in the world are you expecting? You know? Yeah. So, so. And what are you praying to? Are you right. just praying for a sign? Right. Are you praying for a feeling or are you praying lord give me guidance lord give me um help me not to make this decision out of selfish motivation Mm. help me not to make a decision out of a belief that this is going to be the ultimate fulfillment and it's going to solve all of my problems Uh, help me not to make a decision based out of fear right to win the approval of men yeah those types of prayers i'll give you an example of this so when when i'm counseling a married couple that's trying to make a decision and they are in direct opposition to one another have different opinions as to what they should do my encouragement is like i'll look at the husband and go pray and pray that the lord will position your heart towards your wife that you are ready and willing to lovingly sacrifice and go the way that she feels is right. And I'll look at the wife and I'll say, pray and pray that the Lord will position your heart to where it is willing to lovingly sacrifice and go with where your husband feels like you're being called. Because what I'll tell them is I'm like, if, if both of you can have your hearts softened to where you are willing to sacrifice what you want, then you'll actually be in a position to make a decision and nobody's feeling like they're being dragged somewhere. You know, you're, you're actually getting to come together in a posture of humility and love and compassion and make a decision together, mm. you know, but that's a different way of praying Yes, it than is. praying like change my spouse to agree with me or, or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's a prayer for the Lord to form you into a type of person, to yes. have a type of heart rather than to show you a specific direction. Right. Right. Absolutely. So these may seem like easy and obvious things, but. I think because they're quote unquote easy and obvious, we skip them. Oh, I was just thinking how hard them. that prayer, prayer is for a couple. Oh goodness, yes. <laughs> uh, most of them look at me in in my study like I'm crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and you I'm like, be kidding I, me. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, this this thing called marriage is uh, <laughs> it's about self sacrifice. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of defined by Jesus and his relationship with the church. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, but. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm -hmm. That's not a reference solely to his death. It's a reference to the entirety of the incarnation. Mm. He laid aside his, every breath of his life was him giving up himself for his bride. So, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I tend to be a little harder on husbands. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but uh and and that's definitely a do as i say not as i do situation i definitely i'm not speaking from a place holier than thou. i definitely struggled <laughs> yeah we got holly on the phone here she's gonna chime in tell us about how the weekend went no, I don't know. tell us how jonathan sacrifices himself <laughs> all the time and she's you. hung up we've lost her <laughs> oh but okay so the yeah. word and prayer number three wise counsel uh I have seen people use, again, whether it's a sign or whether it's I feel a peace, I've seen people use that to directly reject, like they're surrounded by wise, good counsel, voices united in pointing them a certain direction, and they will reject it all because I got this sign from the Lord or I feel this peace from the Lord. And I'm sitting here going... I mean, I actually think that one of the most common ways God speaks to us is through his people, Mm -hmm. through the church. And if everybody around you who knows and loves Jesus is going, this is a bad idea, it probably is. (laughs) Right. Not necessarily, but probably. Yeah. Um, So just by way of a couple of examples, uh, one, again, getting married. If every single person in your life who knows you and knows them and loves you both and loves Jesus looks at y'all and says, probably not a good idea, you may want to pump the brakes at least. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's like, yeah, this looks good, I mean, that's that's a lot of confirmation. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, another situation I've seen this play out, and I'll, I'll give kind of like an, uh, a little bit of an exception here to, to I don't know, exception is not the right word. Let me just explain. Um, uh, I've walked alongside many couples and many college students who feel called to the mission field. And in that situation, it is very, very common, not across the board, but it is very common for that couple or that college student's parents to be very resistant. Mm. And you can see why naturally, right? I mean, parents are naturally protective and they naturally want their kids close and all of those things. Sure. Um, and, and in those situations, it, it, it kind of becomes like, is that what, what your parents feel and are saying, is that being echoed by all of the other voices? Because mm-hmm. I've seen that happen before, where it's literally, it's echoed throughout their church community. It's echoed by their pastors. It's echoed by, the, and I'm like, mm, then your parents might actually be onto something. Don't just reject it because they're close to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen the opposite happen, where parents were really hesitant, not wanting their kids to like move overseas, but yet, their, their pastor was affirming it. Everyone that was close to them was affirming was saying, yes, this makes sense. We see God's gifting in this and all that. Yep. And that's a situation which you can weigh probably. My parents love Jesus and they love me, but maybe they're seeing this a particular way because of our relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it's worth asking, do I have godly people in my life that I can talk to about this? Am I known by others that when I right. sit down and talk about this job decision – or something that my wife and I are struggling with, or something that our family's dealing with, or whatever it may be, that I'm known by them and that I can reach out to them and be honest and vulnerable about what's going on. That requires being rooted in a community in which you know others, in which you are known by others, Mm -hmm. and in which you can receive counsel from people that have gone before you. I mean, we desperately need that. Yeah. This is the role that ordination is supposed to play in the life of pastors. Ooh, now we're getting real saucy. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that, like, but totally, I'm not supposed to. As an individual, I'm not supposed to be able to go. I think God's calling me to be a pastor. Therefore, boom, I'm the pastor of a church. 
Mm-hmm. It's the process of ordination through which a denomination or a church looks at what I'm saying I believe the Lord is leading me to do, evaluates it, and then uh, confirms it or doesn't. Yeah. You know, and ordination is supposed to be the confirmation of that church saying, we believe you're called. Totally. And, and so we come alongside and affirm that that decision as well. So it's it's similar to that. Yeah, 100%. Council's not the end-all, be-all of of how you make these decisions but it's 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 part of the equation so we've got the word we've got prayer we've got godly counsel and then number four uh is make a decision (laughs) (laughs) this is actually really important the older i get the more important that i see that this is yeah so you've been in the word as crazy as it sounds yeah you've been in the word you've been praying you've talked with the godly counsel make a decision and go you know whether that's to get married whether that's to uh, buy the house, take the job, make a decision yep. and and go. You've done what the Lord has revealed in his word. You've made sure your, your decision lines up with the word. You've prayed about it. You've talked to godly counsel. Go and yep. make that decision with confidence that you have sought the Lord. Whether you felt like you got you know this clear direction or answer or not. Um make the decision and move forward. I remember, I I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but uh, I remember when Joseph Wonski and Rachel were dating and I, uh, Joseph and I were talking one time and he was like trying to, he was thinking through this process of like, you know, uh, am, am I ready? Am I supposed to be, am I supposed to get engaged and and all of that? And Joseph, I'm assuming you've shared this story with your wife at this point. (laughs) We're just bleeping out all these names. Oh my word. But um, but I remember I kind of talked him through this like we just did, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, been in the word, been in prayer, talk with godly counsel and all that. And I, and I just looked at him and said, well, Joseph, all that's left is do you want to? Like, do you want to marry her? Yeah. Um, if you want to marry Rachel, go marry her, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> just like what else are you waiting on? You, totally. you know, and all of that. And so, um, and he did, he wanted to marry her and he did. <laughs> and that's awesome. Um, yep. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the process and I've got two final things to say about it. Mm-hmm. One is that God can interrupt you if he wants to, just like we've talked about with the signs and things like that in scripture. Think about the apostle Paul. When the apostle Paul began his missionary journeys, we don't see him like sweating it out over, well, what city is God leading me to next? I don't know. Is this God's will? Do I go there? Do I go there? He's just going to the next city on the map. He's taking yep. a very logical direction. You know, he's he's doing what God has revealed in his word. He's going forth and making disciples. He's in prayer about this all the time. He's received godly counsel and an affirmation from the church in Antioch, and he's just going. And God he doesn't, does inter- he doesn't always know where he's going. Yeah. And yep. God does interrupt on occasion. Mm-hmm. The the spirit of Jesus prevented us from entering into Asia. You know, God interrupts him with the Macedonian vision and specifically calls him over to Macedonia. And he goes to Philippi and uh, Lydia gets saved. And, and there's a church started in Philippi. But that's the exception to the rule. Uh, he doesn't go to each city because he got a dream vision from the Lord to go to that city next. And he wasn't seeking a dream vision at the time. The Lord interrupted. So, so that's my... my counsel is just as you work through this process know that god can interrupt you if if he wants to along the way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the last thing i'll say um is 
once you've made the decision, you've gone through this process, you've made the decision, never base whether, never judge the decision. Never base whether or not you think you made the right decision on the results. Hmm. Don't do that. That's not that's not how we make decisions as Christians. So you get married and marriage is hard. That doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. Hmm. Um, you you know the Apostle Paul to to use him again. Most of the cities he goes to, uh, it doesn't go well. <laughs> um, it's true. If he's judging whether or not he's making the right decision, ends in death. Based on result, God called him specifically to Macedonia. He goes there, preaches in Philippi, and gets thrown in jail and beaten. You know, like if he's judging this based on results, he's failing constantly. Yeah. Um, often, what looks like failure in the eyes of the world is is exactly you know the path that God sometimes calls us down. Yeah. So I tell college students, you take a job, and the job is really hard. That doesn't mean you made a wrong decision. You're outside the will of God. He may have you there because your coworker is observing you in the midst of the hard yep. and sees your faithfulness, and it's it's planting seeds in their life. Yeah, You just never know what all the Lord is doing. And I think this is such a hard pill to swallow because so many times when we're making decisions, we want to make decisions where we get the easy marriage. We get the perfect job that's easy but also interesting. We live in the perfect community. We have the perfect friends. We're at the perfect church. And we want that I mean, so... I have all of that. We right? want that so bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we're hoping, oh, if we can just discern God's will in that, then this will be the life that we have for us. And it's just not the life that the New Testament promises. Yeah, or, the, or the old. I'm preaching Psalm 73 this Sunday. And Psalm 73 is a complaint to the Lord where Asaph, the psalmist, is basically like, I almost lost my faith. Why did I almost lose my faith? Because you know who freaking prospers? The wicked. You know, it's the, it's, yeah. the, it's those who don't follow God, who get everything. Their life is easy. They don't have any problems, and my life is full of problems. All the stinking time. It's not worth it yep. to follow the Lord. And, and Asaph is complaining about that. Mm-hmm. Um and mm. and yeah, we do all want that that easy, easy life. And scripture, Old and New Testament, just don't don't promise that. But what they do promise is they do promise God's presence and His faithfulness with us. And and so the way that I tell people, how do you measure whether or not you made the uh, the right decision? We base our decision making on faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Are we being faithful to do what God has called us to do? And if you're being faithful to do what God has called you to do, then you leave the results in his hands, whether they look positive or negative. Paul's missionary journeys that looked like failures and looked like they had very negative results. How's it look now? I mean, without the Apostle Paul, we could all debate that, like, you and I probably don't know who Jesus is. Yep. Um, We are never a good judge of our lives. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and so, and and I tell people the same thing in in a positive direction. Just because you make a decision and it has positive results doesn't mean that was the right decision. There are a million and one decisions you can make that have positive results that are outside of the will of God and go against his word. Yep. You can make horrible, immoral business decisions that flood you with money and influence, and power, and all of that. And it can feel like, man, this is the right path to take. Mm-hmm. And, and it's completely against God and against his will and his word. Yeah, So totally. So yeah, so we want to judge 
whether or not we're making the right decisions, whether or not we are walking in the right direction based upon faithfulness. Even that, it shades for us as pastors. We can't judge, are we pastoring faithfully? Are we pastoring well the right way uh, because we're getting good results? Yes. There are very unfaithful ways to pastor that get quote-unquote good results. Totally. Um, And there is a new podcast called Who Killed Mars Hill that talks about the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church in Seattle that was led by Mark Driscoll. It's put on by Christianity Today, and it's produced by someone that we've talked about before, Mike Cosper, and it's like This American Life meets (laughs) a podcast about a church, and it's... It's horrifying, but one of the things that they talk about in the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah, you, you said who kills who killed Mars Hill. I was like, I don't so, think that's what they named it, Brad. So that's what he asks throughout the show, <laughs> and for some reason, I thought that was the title. Um, I'm terrible with titles and names, and well, and the reason John that's, Mark. Well, the reason that's such an example of what we're talking about is from the outside perspective. I mean, Mars Hill oh, blew, blew up, up. fifteen thousand members. Yeah, multiple and, church plants. Right. And so from the outside, you're going, man, that's ministry success and the Lord's blessing that. And I mean, what clearly came to light near the end was some, some very big problems and very unhealthy culture of leadership. And and we, we don't say that to wag fingers or anything like that. Not at all, but just saying, just an illustration of what you're talking about. Yeah. That you can have what appears to be external success, but the, the real question is about faithfulness. Yeah. Are we being faithful to do what God's called us to do? Totally. And that's just so freeing for me. So whether you decide to take the job or not take the job, whether you decide to marry the person or not marry the person, whether you decide to move to this place or not move to this place, whatever decision you make, can you love Jesus and can you love others? Mm-hmm. Can you do that in the decision that you're making? And if you can, the good news is that no matter what decision you make, God is going to accomplish his purposes for you. He does have purposes. He does have plans, and he's going to accomplish that. And his will for you, that the New Testament talks about, is that you would be conformed to the person of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, no matter what you decide, as long as we would say it's under his revealed will, Mm -hmm. that he's going to do that by his Holy Spirit, no matter what. So no matter how hard it is, no matter how good it is, no matter whether you think you made the right decision or the wrong decision, he is always at work. To quote the musician, oh crap, and I'm blanking on his name, we just, um, poet priest and- uh, Oh, Andy Squires. Andy Squires, either- uh, everything is wasted, or either nothing is wasted or everything is. Right. Nothing is wasted. Yeah, and all you're talking about right there is the promise that God gives, one of the many beautiful promises he gives us in Romans 8. Yes. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's your destiny. Yep. He is doing that in and through you, even when it doesn't feel like it. Yes. You know, because... The way that chapter ends, nothing, no matter how bad it is, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he is at work doing that, bringing you into conformity uh, to reflect his son. Totally. And the last thing that I'll say is I think it's such a beautiful practice to go back and look at decisions you made earlier in your life that you were freaking out about. 
and that you were like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to work out. Go back and look at that decision and then look at the Lord's faithfulness. To, to bring it full circle on you, Brad. Ooh, please do. You're having this phone call with uh, Andy Andrew Byers. Yep. Not Andy Squires, <laughs> but Andy Byers. Andy Squires. I can't believe I forgot the name. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're, you're having a little bit of some anxiety about what... Big time anxiety. What school do I go to? Yep. And, you know, you, you come to Beeson and look at the Lord's direction. I mean, we joked earlier about... You know, well, you know, Andy gets credit because he helped you make that decision that then you end up at Shades, then you end up meeting Jordan and you get married. Totally. All of those things. But at the end of the day, Andy doesn't get credit. I mean, God gets credit. You know, he's the one who's providentially directing those steps. And it Exactly. You know, he's he's faithful through the midst of all of that. And so yeah, looking back at that decision that you were freaking out about and seeing, man, the Lord knew what he was doing and it was so much bigger than a seminary choice. Yep, totally. As a matter of fact, in the grand scheme of things, that may have been the smallest thing he was doing. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word. I mean, so often we think this is a conversation for younger saints, but we all need to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> we all need to hear this news yeah, over and over again. And, and my hope, as we close, is that uh, this helps you actually exhale a sigh of relief. Yes. God isn't playing hide-and-seek with his will. I don't have to like perfectly figure it out before I take the next step. I just need to seek to live faithful to his word, be in prayer, be in community with the saints who can help me think through these things. And I can walk forward knowing he will be faithful. Yes. We're not promised that it'll be easy, but we're promised that we will get Jesus. And that's good news. And that's good news. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek Pastor Facts Edition uh, without John Mark here. So we hope that you have survived um, all of our producer mishaps and shenanigans. <laughs> he's going to be mad that we just did that because he's going to want to have already started the exit music. Sorry. Oh, I couldn't resist. Those yeah. buttons are so colorful. Oh. Well, all right. Well, you can start the exit music somewhere around here, John Mark, I guess. That's... that's the- <laughs> He's really going to be upset. Yeah, it's okay, though. It's okay. It's just this one week. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek. I said that weird. (laughs) Of Shades Midweek. We'll see you next time.